Well, one of the things that um, kind of undergirds how we do what we do here at Hope, one of the things that's really a, a priority, especially for us as staff and leaders, is that we want to communicate messages in ways that people who aren't churchy, um, people that aren't, you know, insiders, um, we want to communicate in ways that people can understand um, for example, that's why we call, or that's why I call the lobby out there, a lobby and not a, what's the churchy word? Narthex. Narthex. See, some of you knew that one right there, right? Right? I mean, I didn't grow up with a narthex, um, but when I was thinking about the word, you know, if someone comes in the doors and we keep talking about the narthex, right, it sounds kind of like some creepy, scary room that I don't think I want to go to, right? <laughs> like, move the narthex, yeah. Um, no, it's a lobby, okay. Everybody knows what a lobby is. It's the area right out there that you walked into, okay? So it's, it's pretty common language um, but because we just want people to sort of, at least sort of, understand what we're talking about. Sometimes we miss it. We don't do this 100%. Um, sometimes we sing words in the song that we forget to explain uh, that maybe even some of us who have been around forget, you know, what those words are. But we, we just, we want people to be able to enter in and not feel like outsiders. Uh, it's why when we have Advent, um, the season before Christmas, we explain. I explain every week what it is, which might get old for some of us, but if you're new that week, you don't want to feel like, what is going on? There's enough stuff in church to wonder about without those obstacles, or, or at the time that we call Lent, which precedes Easter. Every week, we explain what that is. Um, it's why we try to keep communion real simple. It's why we explain it every month as we do it, and don't just jump into it. We try to avoid as much insider language as possible, so especially that, that visitors and new folks can understand what we're talking about and, you know, they don't feel stupid. Um, we take that to our banner on the corner, right? We want to avoid insider language. Um, anything we post on Facebook, we want to avoid insider language. We try to do that in our announcements, uh, in our bulletin. But I don't always do a great job with details, and sometimes I don't do a great job communicating. So when I saw uh, the bulletin yesterday, somebody want to hold one up? Just flag one of those down right down there. Um, <clears throat> saw the phrase right under there what, on the cover. What's, what's probably the phrase that sounds kind of insider, right? Yes, intentional evangelism initiative. I was like, oh, no, dang, this is my bad, right? See, I didn't catch it. My bad. I didn't see it. Probably didn't even think about it until I saw it in print. I probably had just passed me right by. So here's a great way to start today's talk. Um, and we're going to give a simple definition for what evangelism is. So it's this. It's on the screen. Evangelism can simply be defined as sharing your faith in Jesus with others. That's evangelism. Now, as some of you probably know, uh, whether you've been in church or not, that word's not always seen in a positive light, is it? Right? Yeah? Am I stretching here? No? Maybe? Evangelism, right? Some people see the word evangelism, and maybe you're a Christian, and you've even grown up in the church, or you've been a Christian for a long time, and you hear the word evangelism, and maybe it evokes some guilt in you, like, oh man, I'm not a very good Christian, because I never evangelize anyone. Um, other people see the word evangelism, and it can be very off-putting, like, eh, right? And I get that. I get kind of the, wait a minute, what do you mean by evangelism? Because the word gospel, right, the gospel of Jesus, the word gospel means good news. And people don't always evangelize and tell the good news in a way that feels like the gospel is actually good news, right? You've seen this too, right? 
So just take 30 seconds, uh, turn to the person next to you. What do you think of when you hear the word evangelism? So ready, set, go. Interactive, go ahead. There's permission. Switch, switch to the other person. What do you think? Tell them what you think. All right, I've seen some smiles over here. Carrie or Troy, what, what, do, you, what do we got? What's the... Crazy Christians. Crazy Christians. Thank you, wife of worship pastor. Street preachers, yes. How about over here, anybody? Door knockers, yeah, yeah. Billy Graham, there's a good, so there's good and right? Who else? Crusades, that's a word people think of with evangelism. Which Tent revivals. Yes, tent rev- Who's ever been to a tent revival? Yeah. Amen. That's right. That shows our age right there. Anybody else? When you hear evangelism, crazy Christians. Yep, yep, yep. That's pretty common. Um, so there's some good, right? Billy Graham, good guy, right? There's some uncomfortable and not so good that some of us think of, and that's honestly how I kind of think of evangelism at reflex, too. I'm like, ah, I hesitate. I withdraw just a little bit because I want to know what people mean when they say evangelism. Um, and so sometimes I think I go way too far back on the evangelism scale because if evangelism um, isn't a negative thing, then what do I do with my ambivalence? Like, here's the deal. Jesus... Jesus himself gave us this directive to what we would call now evangelize. When he departed earth, some of his last words in the book of Mark were this. To his disciples, he said to them and to us, Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Other translations say the gospel. So if Jesus said, this is what I'm calling you all to do, my followers, bring it, evangelize, then I think I've got to start taking Jesus' instructions around evangelism a little more seriously. But I don't think it's just me, because the enthusiasm today of many Christians has been curbed when it comes to sharing faith. And there are many factors for this. Some of the factors research shows is that there's a decline of religion in America, So that's a factor. Another factor would be a spreading apathy towards spiritual matters in our culture. That's true. That makes sense of why that kind of people are enthusiasms curbed. Um, There's also, and I think this is a big factor of why we get nervous around evangelism, is that there's a growing cultural suspicion around people of faith, particularly Christianity. Now, there's a group... um, that runs a ministry that we do here. It's called Alpha. Alpha uh, is an 11-week course exploring the questions of our faith, and it's open to especially spiritual seekers. Uh, We don't try to cram answers down anybody's throat. We leave a lot of discussion time open in this. And so Alpha, who this this class now is worldwide, happens all over the place. And in fact, we're going to be running it uh, in September. I think we're starting the Tuesday the 10th, and it runs after that. So by the way, there's a little commercial, little plug. Get ready for Alpha. Get ready to invite some people. Maybe you want to come and be a part of this, or maybe you want to help. But back to what I was talking about, Alpha, the organization... um, commissioned a study by the Barna Group 
just to kind of get a read on evangelism in our culture and the perspective. And among the major findings in this report was the revelation that uh, Christian millennials feel especially conflicted about evangelism. In fact, as we'll see in a second here, almost half of them, almost half Christian millennials, believes that it is wrong to share their faith. And I'll put this graphic on the screen in a moment, but before we look at the chart, there's going to be four age groups addressed in the study, so um, we're going to have you identify which group you're in, so put this up here. Millennials, born 84 to 98. How many millennials are there in the room? Come on, give it up for the handful of millennials. All right, all right. They're clustered over here. Okay. Uh, Gen Xers, that's my, that's my generation. Talking about my generation, Gen Xers. All right, we got, a, we got a bunch of us in there. How about baby boomers, 46 to 1964? All right, got a bunch of those. And now he calls them elders here, but I think this group, isn't it more builders, right? I like, do you like elders or builders better? What do you say? Builders. We're going to go with builders. Thank you. Thank you. All right, builders, let's see it. Let's hear it for the builders. Woohoo! I like it. Now, if you were born after 98, so my son, who's now 20, apparently they didn't care what you thought. So, um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. All right, so here we go. Here's the chart. We'll put it up on the screen. You've got your group identified here. You'll know where you are in the mix. And this is a fascinating um, graphic. In fact, I think, Rochelle, will you help me remember to send this out in the weekly email that anybody that wants to click on it and look at it closer can do that? Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, so here we go. Here's just a few noticings, things to notice. Okay, so here's a good thing. Almost all practicing Christians believe that a part of their faith is, it means to be a witness about Jesus, right? So 95 to 97%, right in there. Okay, we agree, right? It's important. Um, part of our faith is to be a witness about Jesus. Uh, and Lots of agreement here. The best thing that could ever happen for someone else is for them to get to know Jesus. Again, very high, very high percentage. Um, interesting here. So millennials, and I do not want to pick on millennials because they get a lot of crap, but hey, get used to it. Us Gen Xers, we got it for a long time too. Now it's your turn. Okay, so millennials in particular, they feel equipped like they know how to share their faith with other people. Uh, almost three quarters of them say they know how to respond when someone raises questions about faith. That's pretty good. They actually say too, hey, they're confident that they are gifted at sharing their faith with other people. So that's pretty amazing. But then the huh kind of happens here, um, right here where it says, basically here, almost half of millennials, 47%, um, agree that at least somewhat, that it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in the hopes that they will one day share the same faith. So 47%, I mean, but it's not that great for boomers and, and elders and, and Gen X as well, 27, 19, and 20%. Um, and there's lots of reasons that, that millennials, and honestly, that's a pretty big number actually for many believers for all age groups, um, and we don't want to just pick on the millennials because that's really a lot of percentage, too, of the Gen Xers, boomers, and um, builders as well. And so it got me thinking. It was like, hey, if the, like, why? Why is that the case? Uh, like, if the gospel is good news, why are Christians uncomfortable with evangelism? 
I mean, why does evangelism or even the word witnessing make me sort of hesitate a little bit, which you guys answered really well in our interaction there. Um, See, and as I thought about that question, it just made me kind of reflect back a little bit on how people do evangelism over the years that, that I've seen, and I won't get them all, but, but let's just look at a few of the ways in the recent history of our own culture uh, that, have, that have been used in the name of evangelism, okay? And by the way, some of these are going to be helpful or well-intended. Some of these, in my opinion, are not so helpful. So we'll start with the not so helpful, in my opinion. There's the, everyone's favorite here, the street corner evangelist, right? Bullhorn guy. I was going to try to get Jim to go do that on the street, but not yet. Um, You know, you've seen the guy, anybody, everybody seen the bullhorn guy somewhere before? Right, they're out on the street, um, they usually kind of identify with John the Baptist or an Old Testament prophet. Um, they're sometimes a little wild-eyed and a little crazy looking, which is very invitational. And the way they tell the good news is generally by yelling at people. Things like, you are going to hell, you are, turn or burn, which, you know, and then they justify that by saying, well, I wouldn't be loving if I didn't tell people that. So... Um, it's just weird, though. Like, people get screamed at uh, about, you know, how they're all sinners, how they're going to hell, which, by the way, Jesus never did, did he, right? How did Jesus talk to sinners? Sinners. Compassion and love. Who, when Jesus got sideways with people, who did he get sideways with? The religious people, okay? So, really fascinating. There's a, a child actor who I will not name, Kirk Cameron, who... Uh, <laughs> does the way of the master, evangelism as Jesus did it, and uses the Ten Commandments to convict people of their sin so that they will then turn. Well, here's the problem. That's not how Jesus won the loss. And I just don't think I've ever encountered anyone who said, yes, I came to faith, and I'm sure someone has. Um, I came to faith because somebody was screaming at me on the street corner through a bullhorn. In fact, I've asked several street preachers over the years, and every one of them, when they will finally stop yelling and just engage in a conversation, they'll admit that no, no one has ever stopped and prayed with them to receive Jesus after being screamed at on the corner of a street. Which reminded me, then, of this cartoon. We'll put it up on the screen here. If you can't see it, it says, yeah, you were a believer, but you skipped the not being a jerk about it part, so... I thought that was funny. (laughs) So the street evangelists, I wonder if that's what they'll have at the pearly gates. Ultimately, I think it turns people off, because why would I listen to someone who is screaming at me, okay? How about about another favorite here from years gone by? How about Chick Tracks, right? Chick Tracks. Anybody hear Chick Tracks before? When I was young, we read a lot of these, a lot of Turner Burn stuff, and and a lot of it in there was confusing Um, Well-intended, the idea behind it usually is they are trying to scare the hell out of people, literally. But again, that's not how Jesus did it, and a lot of these things mock people, just straight-up mock um, people, uh, talk about how all Catholics really are going to hell, the Pope is the Antichrist. It is just stunning, but these are millions of these go out around the world, and probably not a great approach. And I think maybe my guess here is that the next one I'm going to talk about sort of evolved over that, because probably people picked up these little comic book-looking things for a long time, and then they started figuring out, oh, I know what that is. I'm just going to throw that away or not even pick it up, right? So the evolution happened. How about the trick? This is a great one. The trick $20 bill, right? You ever seen this? You fold it up at a restaurant as a tip, 
And then when they unfold it, ah, don't be fooled. There's something you can have that is more valuable than money, which doesn't that feel wonderful if you're the waiter or waitress, right? You're like, oh yeah, now I'm really excited to follow Jesus after that, right? Now, confession, as a college student, the first time I saw these, I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. I wasn't going to leave it instead of a tip, um, because I did a profession where I was making tips to live on, Um, but someone that I was dating at the time was a server, and she talked, she talked me out of it real quick when she told me stories of how her coworkers, who she'd spent lots of time witnessing to and just being friends with and and talking about Jesus, how Christians actually did damage when they would, instead of a tip especially, leave these things, kind of this bait and switch. Um, and they were no longer real open. They were more cynical about Christians with stuff like this. So, side note here, maybe if you thought that was a good idea like I did, and I got talked out of it, maybe don't do that. Um, unless you leave like a really giant tip, then you can slip that in there too. Maybe, maybe. So. Now, some of these tools of evangelism, I think, have contributed to why some of us feel uncomfortable with the idea of us doing evangelism. We, we can see how many Christians like rush in to try to convert people, and we hear stories how it actually backfires or pushes people away from the message of Christ, especially when Christians who are called to represent Christ are aggressive or pushy. Now, to be fair, because I use some of the more notorious ones here, while those kinds of methods of evangelism and tools weren't so good and gave kind of a negative connotation to the word, there were other things that I think were probably more helpful, um, things like evangelism explosion. Anybody ever? I went through that class. Uh, it's a long class. It's a thick book. Anybody ever go through evangelism explosion back in the day? Probably a few of us. Um, and it's good, really good, but you think back, and it was, I don't know, like 12 or 15 week class just to learn how to share my faith, and holy smokes, I don't think I could remember all the steps I was supposed to do. Um, how about the tracks like the four spiritual laws? Anybody seen this one around here? Or the Romans Road? Or there's God's Bridge to Eternal Life? There's different variations of that. So there's lots of things that I think Um, moved toward maybe what was sort of helpful, and there was an upside to things like this and others, because the idea behind this is these were were tools to help, you know, us normal Christians who didn't have the gift of the evangelists, um, which is why we excuse ourselves from doing evangelism. Oh, I don't have that gift. Um, But the thing is, we don't get out of it because Jesus calls all of us, right, to share our faith. But but these tools here um, were supposed to help us you know, share our faith, do evangelism. It was a good motive, but there were, there were downsides, and there are downsides to these things as well. Um, because most of these pitches re- revolve around formulas and scripts. You know, it's a, it's a prepackaged message. It kind of assumes a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism that will somehow meet everyone uh, at the same place when not everybody's at the same place, and it assumes they know, you know, things like sin and the Ten Commandments and Um, So that's sort of a downside. Um, Another downside is a lot of it, as simple as it was tried to be made for us, a lot of it was hard to remember. It was very hard to memorize. And what I know from trying these approaches as a younger person is that these approaches, when I was actually talking to someone, I was trying to fit my little script and talk into you know, whatever the conversation was, and they can see really fast that it's a forced sales pitch People just don't want to feel pitched, do they? They don't want to feel sold. Um, 
Now listen, just a side note here, if your personality, if your gifting kind of matches up and those are tools that work for you, I don't want to discourage you. Like, hey, keep, keep doing it. Like, go for it. Well, maybe not the Turner burn tracks, you know, maybe not the bullhorn stuff and yelling at people. But, but if some of these other tools work for you, God bless you. You're leading people to Jesus that way. Go for it. Go for it. But for the rest of us who maybe that evangelism thought makes a little nervous, we think of evangelism and we think, well, that's just something that we're not capable of doing very well. Like, maybe it's a gift that we're glad somebody else has, but we sure don't have that gift, so we don't really think much about, you know, evangelizing. But like I said before, um, and like I said last week, the problem is Jesus didn't say that evangelism is just for the few, you know, Christians who have that gift, quote-unquote. See, evangelism, telling others the good news about Jesus, is the responsibility of every Christian. Which is why we're taking these next number of weeks to look at ways that we can, that we can tell other people about Jesus in ways that are more natural, not forced scripts, ways that are more even normal, and they don't require you to go through a 12-week class and memorize a script. See, Jesus invites each one of us, each one of us to display the good news of his grace to everybody around us, and it doesn't have to be super complicated. In fact, and you can look in the insert in your bulletin here, there's some very practical, normal ways to build relationships with people and tell them, without Jesus, tell them about Jesus, uh, ways to do that without it seeming like you have some ulterior motive. Um, some folks in our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, they came up with a very simple kind of format and, and, and a, a model for us that can help every Christian, every follower of Jesus, see how easy it is and practical it is for us to share our faith with other people. And they've called it BLESS, which is the series that we're in. Now, fair warning, BLESS is an acronym. And if you know me, I'm a little skeptical, right? Like, what really fits into an acronym? I mean, come on. Don't you have to kind of wiggle stuff in or add things that probably don't even really fit? So I'm a little skeptical. Um, acronyms can seem, you know, contrived. <clears throat> but here's the deal. Even I can be, you know, a little humble once in a while. Even I, right, can... Once, once in a while I'll be admitting that, okay, I can, I can be wrong. I'm, I'm wrong about some of these things. Um, I can even get past my gift of suspicion um, that I have that isn't in the Bible. Um, and so when it comes to this acronym deal here, um, I have to admit that these things that we're going to look at over the next five, six weeks here, they're pretty helpful in reminding us of our own heart as followers of Jesus when it comes to evangelism and how we can love people. See, as followers of Jesus, we want to bless people. And, and when I say bless people, I don't mean in that cheesy, you know, fake, you know, hashtag blessed kind of way, right? We're not, not like that. We're talking about really actually blessing people in ways that actually do bless them. So here's the five practices we're going to look at over the rest of the series. Uh, the first one, um, they didn't start well, in my opinion, you know, for a guy that's a little cynical about acronyms, okay? Begin with prayer. It's like, huh? Seriously, you had, to, you had to begin with prayer. I mean, it's supposed to be about prayer, so I guess, but bless sounds better than pless or take it out and it's less. So, all right, we'll give them a pass on that. So, first one, begin with prayer. So, we're going to look at this week. Um, next week, listen with care. Uh, third one, eat together. 
and then serve with love and share your story. Those are components, and I don't think they all have to be super sequential, except for this first one, I think, is really crucial. Um, because what we want to do, no matter how this flows, no matter how the relationships that we are in with folks that we want to show and tell them about the difference Jesus makes in a life, no matter how we begin, we could start with the prayer or, I mean, we could go do the sharing or the serving or the eating or the listening. It doesn't have to be in sequence, um, but I do think it's really crucial that we start all of this with prayer. I think it's important that we begin with prayer. Now, when we think of evangelism, one of the reasons that we want to begin with prayer is because Jesus valued prayer. If you look through the life of Jesus, all through his life, he modeled um, prayer, he valued it, he prayed. Like, Jesus didn't just go out and, like, rush ahead and do stuff. And he's God, by the way, so he could have, you know, just gone out and done whatever. But uh, instead of pushing ahead, Jesus stopped and he prayed. One example that I think is really cool of how Jesus stopped and prayed instead of just rushing ahead was in um, Luke 6. Jesus is getting ready. He's going to select those who will join him on his mission. He's got a bunch of disciples that are already following him around. But this is the time where he's going to choose the 12 to be kind of the main dudes. Uh, They call them the apostles later. So the 12. And so look what Jesus does on this important occasion. Instead of interviewing them or kind of going down the checklist of of why and who and all that, it says in verse 12, one day Jesus went up to a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. And then in verse 14 and on, it lists the name of those 12. It's up on the screen here. But I love that Jesus didn't just go out and like, you know, all right, this makes sense. It's this guy and that guy, right? Um, I'm going to pick the top 12 most promising leaders. Um, No, what he did was he spent the night praying before he selected these 12 apostles. The 12 that would be the first ones he sent into all the world to bless the world on his mission to love and serve and redeem this planet. He prayed first. And I think it's interesting to note That after he prayed, the disciples that Jesus picked after praying again, um, (laughs) they were fishermen, tax collectors, uh, violent political revolutionary, uh, basically knuckleheads and a whole lot of nobodies. These were not the disciples that any other rabbi in that day would have chosen to be his disciples. But Jesus, he begins with prayer, and then he chooses them. And prayer, again, the whole point is that prayer was this huge, huge part of everything that Jesus did. And so when we think about sharing the good news of Jesus with others and who and how, we too, we really want to begin with prayer. We don't want to just rush in. We don't want to just rush in. I'm going to ask you to take out your bulletin right now. There is a white insert in there. Will you grab that? It looks like this here. Will everybody grab that and hold it out? Oh, wait. I mean, it's fine. Just hold them up. Yeah, just hold them up. Let's see. We got them out. We got them out. Everybody got your... Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. All right, because we're going to use this here. So just hang on to that. And by the way, doesn't that look nice? Rochelle does a great job on our graphics, doesn't she? She does a wonderful job. If there's ever a typo, it's my fault. Okay. Um, 
which is true. Uh, so right here, in the middle of the sermon, what I want to do with this, as, uh, what's not the middle, we're getting near the you know, two-thirds point, but what I want to do is I want us to do what Jesus did. I want us to pause and pray. And, and as we kind of prepare to just pray for a moment, um, just look at that list there where it talks about, you know, it's the Frank. Here's another acronym, right? Here we go, Frank. Um, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, co-workers, and by the way, um, in our teens and our kids, they're doing the same thing, and they're actually, instead of coworkers, they have classmates. So, um, so parents, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to follow up with your kids uh, and your teens and look at this together. Gary, I'm getting a little bit of ring up on the high end. Thanks. Um, so you can process this, you can unpack this, you can talk about this with your kids as well, just in terms of praying for them and their frank list as well. Now, imagine now just someone in your life that really needs to come to Christ. Maybe it is a friend or a neighbor or a relative. Um, maybe it's one of your parents or one of your kids. Maybe it's your, your mom or your dad, um, that crazy uncle like Maybe it's one of them. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that you work with. And so just for a minute here, just can you picture a, even just a face? Just pick one. And now imagine for that individual, can you imagine how Jesus would change their life? Like what difference it would make in their life if they were to come to Jesus? Now, so before we write any names down, Again, we just want to pause together and pray. So will you pray with me for just a minute here? Jesus, even good and kind and loving Christians like us, we struggle in what it means to invite people to follow you. Like evangelism just doesn't seem to come naturally to most of us. But you have given us relationships with other people. And we don't have ulterior motives. We really want to love them well. And so I ask right now, would you bring names to our minds of people that you want us to begin praying for? And folks, I'm just going to pause here for a minute. Just see who comes to mind. See who comes to mind. What, what friend who, who needs to know the love of Jesus? What, what relative or acquaintance or, you know, that person that you see in the store, at the coffee shop, or at the gas station? And what neighbor? How about coworkers? Jesus, guide us now. In your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Now, some of you in that moment there may have gotten kind of specific names. Maybe you even have a name that popped up that you're kind of surprised, like, where did that come from? And so whatever popped into your head, just write it down right now. Just trust the Holy Spirit on this stuff, right? Let's each grab a pen. They're in the seat pocket in front of you. Thank you, Linda. Always make sure they're there every week. Grab a pen. No, really, reach ahead of you. I can see you. Reach ahead. Grab a pen. Take that hand out. And... and um, listen, many of you may not have a name that came up. Um, so just look at the list and let it prompt in you. What's the first name that pops into your head when you think of friends that need to know Jesus, a relative, 
an acquaintance, a neighbor, coworker, and just write down those names. Like, fill it out. Like, do all five, right? I'm going to give you a minute. Give you a minute. Go ahead and start writing. Just put some names in there. Don't worry, this is not a trick. Although we will check your homework before you get to leave. Just kidding. Just so I know who's done and that I'm not going too fast, just hold yours up when you're, when you're done. Just hold it up and keep it up until we see them all up. I'll give you another minute. All right, so hang on to that list. In fact, if you want, there's another insert in the bulletin with a tear-off. If you write those names down and tear it off and leave it at one of these black round tables in the back when you leave today, then our staff and some of our prayer team will also join you in praying for those names. So if you want some extra prayer support on this, uh, go for it that way. Now, listen, here's the deal. I just don't think that evangelism was supposed to be so complicated. Um, I don't think we were intended to have all the apologetics together to win arguments with people, so we think that that somehow will help them become Christians. But again, some of us get caught up. We think, whoa, evangelism is too hard. Like, what will I say? What if I don't know the answers? And I had a great conversation with a young guy from church here that when he was in high school, uh, he was not a believer, and he had some Christians that, that spent time around him, and they would keep hanging out, and they just cared about him. And he was a super smart, he is a super smart guy, so he started asking questions about science and, and how science gels with God, and, and he remembers specifically and appreciates that one of the young ladies just said, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Like, she was just honest that she didn't know. And that actually helped him more than somebody coming up with an argument to prove why. And they just kept loving him until he started to follow Jesus. And see, we can be the same way. You and I can be a part of introducing people to the life that Jesus offers, and we can do it in a way that's not weird. Uh, we can do it in a way that's not unnatural. We don't have to memorize a sales pitch. We can simply be a blessing to the people around us who don't yet know Jesus. We pray, right? And we listen to people. We do life with them. We, we find ways to serve. We look for an opportunity to share our own story of what Jesus has done in our own life. And really, I think that is more than enough right there. And so when you imagine somebody in your life that really needs to come to Christ, like you look at your list right there and just picture someone from, from your Frank list, somebody on that list there, just imagine, like, that person, that name, that face. And just imagine and guess, like, how would Jesus change their life? Some of us can, can wonder and look at the life of someone on there, maybe one of our relatives, and go, wow, if that person started following Jesus, oh, they would get free. Maybe they would find peace. Maybe they would finally get out from the burden of all the striving that they're doing and trying to find life in ways that are not helping. Just imagine what would happen to these people on your list if you really decide to enter into this and to pray for these folks. 
And part of what we want to do is pray for people and, and just simply ask God this. Every day I would encourage you, pray and ask God this. God, how do you want to use me to bless the people in my life? Like, let it be that simple. Let it be that simple. Let me bounce through a couple other reasons uh, about why it's important to pray um, as we share our faith. Uh, another reason here, just real quick. Um, when we pray, it, it can help us to have God's heart for that person. Like we pray for a person and God sometimes shows us his heart for their person. And maybe we're like, well, I already know what's wrong in their life. Um, I know why they need Jesus so badly. That's cool. You know, they're using or they're in a relationship that's bad or they're just running from God, whatever that we see. It does seem obvious and it probably is obvious in some of those. But if we just pause and ask God, God, give me your heart for that person. He might show you some other ways to love and serve and approach them. Just ask God, what's your heart for that person? Because what we want is God's heart for the people around us. Because when I'm just trying to manage my relationship with somebody and build a relationship, instead of focusing on loving them, like, well, now I'm in all these weird suspicions and controls and people are not sure why I'm doing what I'm doing. But if I can just back off of that stuff and have God's heart, which is just to love people, it's amazing what God will prompt us to do. And lastly, I want to say this about the power of prayer, and again, why it's so important. Um, I'm reminded of uh, St. Augustine's line where he says this, without God, we cannot, and without us, he will not. See, we find ourselves in this universe that God created where, where sometimes we and prayer play a crucial role, sometimes even the deciding role, and friends, our choices matter, and there is power in prayer. See, God moves, lives change, love acts, we say that around here all the time, and that happens when we pray. Now, I don't want this to feel like pressure, like, oh no, God's not going to do anything if I don't get involved. I, I need to feel guilty now about the people I'm not praying for. No, 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 no. I want you to see this. I want us to see this as an invitation. God is already up to something in the life of each and every person. Again, Augustine's line, without God, we can't do it, right? We cannot, and with us, without us, he will not. It just points to the power of prayer, where we can align with what God is already up to in the heart of someone else, what he's already doing. And here's the deal. God is inviting us to join with us in what he's doing in the lives of other people. He's inviting us. He's looking for someone to go, I'll partner with you in bringing my love to that person. He's looking for a partner, so will it be you? Will it be you? Let me wrap um, this up, and Michelle, we can go to a blank slide. I've got something different I'm going to wrap up with here. Um, last week, I heard this amazing story. We want to we love and serve people. We want to look for opportunities to bless people, and it's really good when they're on our list, but sometimes God just sets up divine appointments so another way to pray is, God, will you set up some divine appointments for me today? Uh, and I believe that uh, a story I heard from a week ago Saturday was a divine appointment. A friend of Will and Christy, uh, our youth pastor, she was out bird watching in an area um, up the bee line where there's uh, some rare birds, and she pulled in, and uh, bird watchers, I guess, are pretty friendly with each other, and they're like, hey, have you seen this or this or this? And there was a guy, his car was there, and she asked him, and he was like, no, nope, I'm not really watching birds, but she was just kind, just friendly. Really, it was a divine appointment. Um, um, she was just, just felt prompted to be kind to him. 
And later, again, she felt prompted to stop on her way out and talk to him. He was still there. And the man was um, revealed. He was so confused why she would stop or show kindness to him. And she talked about the love of God. That's why. And he revealed that he had come there to kill himself. But because she was aware and in tune with God setting her up, with her being there, um, not being an accident, maybe even a divine appointment, uh, the man didn't take his life, and she told him about Jesus. Now, maybe our stories are not going to be that dramatic, but maybe some will. So our question is, will we, will we commit to blessing the people around us and looking for ways to simply show the love of Jesus? Um, Here's our strategy. I'm going to list out the four things we're going to have as a strategy throughout this series. First thing is this. You've already filled it out, I hope. Uh, your frank list. Your frank list. We're going to ask you to commit to that. I think this is probably the last slide, Rochelle. The frank list. We're going to ask you to commit to pray for those folks. And if you pray, we really want to aim at praying for people daily uh, for the whole month here. If you want reminders, because like me, you can forget this stuff real easily, um, we've set up, Jim set up a text line here that you can text and you will get reminders uh, every day, not at three in the morning, don't worry. Uh, you'll get text reminders as just a reminder to pray and maybe a little encouragement with that as just a reminder, oh hey, pray for this person right now today and we want to help you. Um, so you can text that number and um, put your name in there with your text and, and we will be putting you in that and texting you daily to remind you to pray, and we'll join you in prayer. Um, third one is we're going to invite, we're going to ask you to invite people to church. On September 15th, we're going to call it This is Hope. Uh, we're hoping to have a, a big, giant, you know, like, bunch of food, because that's what we love to do around here, and we're going to have different ministries um, on display that people can find out how to get involved in, so we would love for you to invite people to that. And lastly uh, is Alpha. Alpha, again, it's coming Tuesday nights starting September 10th. We'll show you a video that gives you an idea of what Alpha is next week, but it's basically for folks that are exploring or maybe not even interested in Christianity, but they just want to talk and, and share. So um, if you want to process this deeper, again, join a small group through this session or come Wednesday night for Discover Groups. And um, here's how we're going to close. We're not going to do a closing song. Uh, I went a little longer than I planned. Um, but I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm ask you to stand. In a moment, I'll hand off to Jim. My encouragement as Jim comes is, friends, every morning when we wake up, let's ask God how we can share his love with our neighbors, with our friends, with our relatives, with our coworkers, and everyone around us. In fact, starting tomorrow, I want to invite each of us to pray and when you pray, just ask yourself the question in the morning or ask God, like, okay, who am I going to bless today? Like, who am I going to pray for? Who am I going to talk with? Who am I going to eat with or serve? Who am I going to share my story with and talk about Jesus? And just see what God does. See what God does.